Hello, promoters and fans, and welcome to Unofficial Roll. Yep, you heard me right. That's Unofficial Roll. Uh, This is not episode 100 of Roll Up. This is a special bonus episode uh, from an interview that I conducted with the one and only James Beard at the TNT Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa. We actually began this interview sitting on the side of the ring in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame wing of the Dan Gable Museum. And James is just awesome. I'll put that out there right away. Uh, I've talked about it before, but having a conversation with him and listening to him is such a joy. Uh, I feel very lucky to have been able to speak with him a number of times now, uh, interview him a couple of times and just chat in general. We were on the record with the tape rolling, so to speak, for a little over an hour, which you'll hear most of here today. Uh, And we turned it off and spoke for probably another hour, maybe a little more. Uh, after we were done, we both said, you know, hey, I wish we would have kept the tape rolling. The good news is that that's exactly what we're going to do. We will be recording a part two uh, coming very soon, and I'm looking forward to conducting that. And I think that we'll probably touch on a lot of things that we discussed in that second uh, hour where we weren't recording. Uh, James, of course, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, was a referee for World Class Championship Wrestling uh, in the 80s. Um, Prior to that, of course, he worked as a musician. You're going to hear all about that, um, which was a thrill. Uh, Of course, anyone that knows me knows that I love music, playing music, singing, um, you know, playing gigs, uh, something, unfortunately, I haven't done since last October. Uh, It's getting, getting to be high time to do it again. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's just such a great guy, such a wealth of knowledge, uh, about entertainment, about professional wrestling, of course, what it means to be a referee, what it means to tell a story in the ring, what it means to maintain relationships outside of the ring, what it's, what it's like to, to have friendships and relationships outside of the ring in this business. Um, and, and of course, uh, just shares so much of the knowledge that he's gained over the years as a referee. Um, and, and as he's gained as, as, both an observer and participant um, in the, the business of professional wrestling. Speaking with James, again, is always a thrill, always a pleasure, and uh, I really do look forward to doing it again soon. Um, so I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I'm going to throw this right over to the interview that was recorded at the Dan Gable Museum uh, in the Professional Wrestling Wing, uh, Hall of Fame Wing, uh, the uh, Tragos and Thez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Weekend in Waterloo, Iowa, Uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So, let's get to it. Testing one, two, testing one, two. Oh, yeah, that'll do. Imagine what you do on the phone now. I know. I I once, um, I play music, and I once recorded pretty much an entire demo with just an acoustic guitar on my phone. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. Incredible. (laughs) Um, That's... That was me. I was, I was in the music business before I got into wrestling. Yeah? Yeah. In fact, that's how I got into wrestling. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's not true. It's, it's, a, it's in your book. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've done a lot of recording. Oh. But uh, back in those days, it was like, you know, the, I remember the first recordings I ever did in the studio were like four track. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you got eight tracks. Because back then, you had four tracks. You'd have to ping things back and forth. Right. That, you know, like you kind of stack things. Because once you do that, then it's there. You can't change anything. Right. You know. 
but um, kind of like a layer. But yeah, you know, eight tracks and sixteen tracks and then thirty-two tracks and now it's oh, and now you can do all that on that, right? Which is crazy. I know, I know. And the, uh, some of the the <clears throat> stuff that they've got that you can just go into like a music store and buy as yeah. a consumer. You know, 30, 40 years ago, you could never dream of buying that because oh, it was no. so expensive. No. <laughs> but now you go buy a 128 track, you know, board and take it home. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. It's still that cheap, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of my favorite, one of my favorite stories uh, is uh, a fellow Texan, Buddy Holly, mm-hmm. uh, in the recording studio and uh, overdubbing guitar parts and this is back in the late 50s probably doing it on two tracks yeah exactly yeah. And, the, and and at the time it was so new everybody was like oh you know how you, yeah. know, how, how you do that and yeah uh, it, it, it basically basically what it is is just recording over a recording over a recording right you know and and it, 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 like i said once you put once you get it mixed that way that's it. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, no, yeah, there's no yeah, fiddling yeah, with it there's after. There's no going back in there and <laughs> taking this out or redoing this or whatever. You got to get it right. Yeah. What did you play? I played keyboards, sang. I was always, oh, the, nice. I was always the lead singer. That was kind of my thing. That's yeah. very cool. That, uh, yeah, we opened for God back in the late 70s and early 80s up until about 86 when I really got to a point where I had to make a decision yeah um, we, we opened for all the major acts just about so how, how long were you doing both because if you were doing that in the 70s I mean, you were yeah, basically doing both I, at the same did, time yeah I did for several years I was doing both okay um, of course one I wasn't doing as much wrestling as I was music yeah and, and then uh, it got to where I was it was kind of like God, they started to book me all here and book me there, and right. And then I got the deal in Japan, and that that really killed it. Oh, sure. And and uh, we're out of the country weeks at a time. It's hard yeah, to hold yeah, a steady well, gig. Yeah, you know? can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And tell the guys, I'm you know, this, this is gonna have to be it. But yeah, I accused Sakurada Akendo mm-hmm. of taking me to Japan to be his singing monkey anyway, because that's. <laughs> That's kind of what it was like. Every night it was karaoke. Yeah. Go to karaoke. You sing. <laughs> ah. What What were your songs that you had to sing? Oh, they were They They liked um, um, the the old old sixties and fifties and sixties stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, Paul Anka. And, oh boy. Oh Elvis. <laughs> if you got Elvis, that's always nice. good. Yeah. You know, and and all that kind of thing. You know. Yeah. It, that that was the big thing over there. Especially in those bars. Yeah. And, you know, if you could do those, because the, the Japanese would get up and try to sing those things, they sounded horrible. Sure. You know, and then you get up and sounded, you could even remotely like what the record was, yeah. you know, and it was, it was like, ah. <laughs> it was pretty Standing cool. ovation after every yeah, song. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I accused him of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you just book him because I can sing. The only reason you yeah. were here. Um, when you uh, when you were playing music, what what type of music were you playing? Who were some of the, the influences? Well, I grew up. Uh, I'm a '60s guy, mm-hmm. uh, so I grew up doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Okay. We were a rock band to begin with. Nice. When I, I started playing in bands when I was early in college, actually late in high school. But Really got serious about it in college. Okay, and I was playing everywhere, every weekend, somewhere, nice. you know, that kind of thing, yeah. parties and you know, whatever. And and uh, uh, 
that was mostly rock, pop, pop, you know, what was on the char charts okay. in the 60s. Yeah. And uh, I always loved country music. Yeah. You know, traditional country, especially. Yeah. And, you know, when, when that started getting hot in the 70s, um, we, we kind of saw the writing on the wall, and it was like, you know, if we're going to get booked, you better start doing this stuff. Yeah. And, um, and so we did. Nice. You know, we, we started transitioning into doing, we, we were still a little different than a lot of country bands because we, we would go in and, and mix it a little bit if the, if the, if the fans were, sure. you know, the, the crowd was getting into some of the other stuff, we'd do it, but, but you had to play country to get booked. Yeah, well, oh, I mean, you had so many of those yeah. like kind of crossover acts back then anyway. I mean, even yeah. Rolling Stones were leaning into country. Well, and, and Credence, you know, and, and I mean, absolutely. that was really country music with, with rock beat, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and with the Eagles and all that stuff came later, but we did a lot of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and that really was kind of in the wheelhouse for us. Nice. But we still, we'd still throw in some of our, some, and it was funny because if you were doing copy music, you know, you're trying to do stuff that was on the charts because yep. what you had to do in the clubs because I didn't want to hear that. Right. You know, it, uh, you would try to learn it pretty much like the record. Yeah. And then we would do that. And then I would go back and listen to it because we recorded a lot of stuff. Mm. And I'd go back and listen to it six months later or a year later, the same song. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, we transitioned that from this to us. Mm. You know, so we were we were taking a little bit of our our... I guess our rock bass and turn yeah. it into a little bit different kind of song, uh, you know. Yeah, so it's kind of kind of interesting to go back and listen to some of that. Oh, for sure. Do you still have some of those recordings? I got a lot of stuff. Nice. Uh, later so on, cool. we, when I went, I, I moved moved up to Dallas, and that's where it kind of started getting into wrestling. Thing. Yeah. But I moved into Dallas and I was working for Chardon, which is Charlie Pride's company. Oh, cool! And they were booking us. Okay. And oh, we nice. were, you know, we were playing with everybody. Yeah. You name it, we opened for everybody, and um, playing all the big clubs and stuff. And and um, that 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 really, that's where I started meeting a lot of the wrestlers. Yeah. You know, they'd come to places we were playing sure. around there and, and get to know them and. and you know, they, they get to talking to you and they find out, you know, I've been watching wrestling since I was a baby. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I kind of, I don't know, I, I didn't really realize it so much, but I, I'm talking to them, I realized that I'd been kind of watching it in a different eye yeah. than typical fan, I guess. Okay. You know, because I was always wanting to dissect it. You yeah. Know, you know, you know, I, I knew, you know, I, I knew that, that something was manipulated here sure and i wanted to know how yeah you know, so i was curious you know and I, but i was doing it in my own way and and i'd sit and talk to him and then eventually i think they kind of got the clue that that you know he, he may kind of know what's going on <laughs> and and uh, um, frank broke frank goodish mm -hmm. bruiser and and a lot of those guys are they start you know kind of pushing me in that direction. Yeah. You know, I think you'd be good at this, you know, and I'm going, oh man, I'm 30, I'm 30 years old. I don't need, <laughs> I'm doing this, I'm working here. And and, uh, and I was a little frustrated with music because uh, I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I, I was, and, and I was, but uh, uh, it's one of those political things, you know, that, that you get, get in a certain situation there and you think you should be going further and, right. and you get cut off here and you go back and do, and, uh, and I remember walking into the, 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 the guy that ran Chardon called me in the office one day and we were talking about one this, that, and the other, Jim Prater. And he said, you know, I, you're really the best vocalist we have mm. on, on the side. 
He said, but we've got so much money in this guy and that guy and this guy. But if you just be patient, you know, that kind of deal. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm getting tired of being patient. Absolutely. You know, and this, this started coming around. And, and I, I thought, hey, I'm going to stick my toe in the water and just see how it is. Right, right. And I worked a few local things, you know, just to kind of get a feel for it. Yeah. That they had thrown me out there. And the next thing I know, I'm working at the sportatorium. Wow. You know, and then yeah. the next thing I know, I'm going to Japan. <laughs> and and it, it just exploded for me. Yeah. You know? And that, that really made my career right there. Yeah. That's it because it was was so unusual. Yeah. No, I mean, referees had gone over and done shows and and maybe special events or tours or something once in a while with a group. Yeah. But uh, as far as I know, no referee has ever actually worked for a Japanese company. Wow. And I've worked for three of them. Yeah. So that started that. Okay. You know, and and, and when I went over there, I I think one shot, you know, and it was a big deal. But when I, I didn't realize as much at that time until later on how much that affected what happened over here for me mm. because it was such a big deal to go to Japan then yeah you know these days there's a lot of small groups that go and it's not that big. in those days you had to be on top of the game right we wanted the elite really to get over there and I was just lucky yeah uh, Kendo Nagasaki Kazu Sakurada really it's his name okay uh, he uh, he liked me and, yeah. and took me over there for that one event and then I, it just took off from there and um, and I didn't I, I didn't realize what was going to happen from that but that, that gave me all these opportunities over here because it was such a big deal yeah and gave me a, I guess a different status sure you know because nobody else was doing that right and uh, and of course eventually uh, when the first that one company split and Sakurada took his group I went with him, okay, and um, and he gave me a lot of leeway. I started booking guys, you know, booking ta- booking not only booking talent but booking the matches. Oh wow! You know, okay. And putting things, and then put me in a whole different level. Yeah, and and that carried over to here. Okay, you know, so it gave me an opportunity to do more than to just be a referee in a ring. It's, sure, you know, and and it just it just it made my career really for the yeah. most part. Do you think that, so uh, two questions actually. Do you think that you noticed in the wrestling business that the more you were respected, the more you did, and the more people, you know, respected the work that you were doing, it got you further? Definitely. Whereas in the music business, it didn't really matter. It was yeah. more. It was more just sort of like, what can you, what yeah. can you make for me? How yeah. much money can I make yeah. from you? Yeah, you know, you know I, I laugh at myself sometimes because, and, and other people laugh at it too if they know know either business. But you know, I said, you know, I, I, I kind of left music because of politics, and I got into wrestling. And if you think about it, <laughs> if you think about it, that's a pretty stupid thing. To sure. Do. I mean, because wrestling is as political as anything. Right, right. You know, but luckily, uh, it, it was political in a different way for me. Yeah. It, 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 I wasn't threatening anybody in wrestling so much. Right. You're not going to take anybody's spot. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I already had that spot. Yeah. So when I came over here, they were using that to, to give me better spots over here. <laughs> you know, better, you know, and a little more stroke over here. So it, 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 it just it put me in a different situation in wrestling than I was in, in in music, even though the talent probably was equal, yeah. the same, or yeah. maybe, you know, I, I, music's always been my first love. Yeah. It still still is in a lot of ways, but uh, wrestling was in my blood. You know, yeah. It's a passion, you know, and, and, 
and uh, I found that that avenue to let that out. I guess the creativity and the you know and and, and the and the physical thing too. I was in school. I was in athletics. Okay. Now I went to I went to college. Believe it or not, I'm five ten, five nine, five ten. I went to went to college on a basketball scholarship. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and I tore my and I tore my knee up oh. and <laughs> went back home. And I was standing in line to uh, to register at, at TJC of Junior College at, at at home after my first year in college. Okay. And had my knee all messed up and everything. And, and standing in line, a friend of mine who was involved in the music department at TJC saw me standing there, and he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm registering." He said, "You need to come with me." I went up to, he took me to the music department and I ended up with a music scholarship. Ah, that's fantastic. So, yeah, so, for, for, yeah, so it, was, it was crazy. Yeah, you know? and did you, were you taking music lessons from a young age? Yeah, well, I, don't, I didn't take music lessons so yeah. much. Uh, just kind of, I can remember singing when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, you know, and then, you know, even harmonies and things just came natural. Yeah. You know, and, and um, I, I was... You know, and of course, I, I got in. I got involved in bands and choral, choir, and stuff in, of course. in school and that kind of thing. Yeah, but but you know, so it, it, it was just kind of a, that was just one of those avenues that, that kind of took me here and then took me back there and then took me to back to athletics. Yeah. You know, which yeah, is crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that I wanted to ask is, you know, mentioning about kind of that building that that career in wrestling and and, and you know being a referee. Almost akin to being a performer, you're you're on stage, if you will, and then getting the opportunity to really do some of that creative work yeah. and doing that booking. Yeah. Can, you, can you talk a little bit about how one influenced the other? Well, you know, the the thing that, that frustrates me about the business today a little bit, and I hate to be one of those guys, but it's just a fact. Yeah. My role as a referee, and I look at it this way, and 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 luckily that a lot of the people I worked with allowed this and, 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 and it was true with them. My role as a referee is I looked at myself as, as not just a, a, a cog in the wheel, but part of the work. Right. I was one of the workers. Yeah. I, I, I look at my, when I do a clinic now, I'll, I'll ask the guys, I said, you know, okay, how many, how many uh, workers do we have here? And all the wrestlers are hanging, they'll raise their hand. And I said, okay, what are you guys? Oh, I'm a referee. And I said, you're not a worker. <laughs> they don't understand what I'm saying because mm -hmm. of the business has changed so much. Yeah. But I was a part of the work. I was part of the show, a part right. of the part of the part of the uh, development of the match. And luckily, I was in an era and 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 in places that allowed me to do that. And 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 my goal in every match was to make every match I'm in a little bit better than it might have been yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes that's a real subtle thing. Sure. And sometimes it's very obvious, um, and you got to got to understand that role and understand that line, you know, that you're walking. Yeah. But I always looked at myself as that, not not. I'm not just a referee. Right. I'm a worker. Yeah. And and um, and it, it it paid off for me because the, I think the fans during that era, especially like at Sportatorium. <laughs> They they appreciated <laughs> that because they, the, I used to get teased that, that the guys would call, say, oh, you're the biggest baby face in the promotion. <laughs> but I didn't. Joey Church is the biggest heel. <laughs> but I didn't work as a baby face. I didn't, I didn't favor baby faces. Right. I just, it, they just knew that, that if somebody did something, I was going to 
I was going to be the guy that, that got on them. Yeah. You know, and whether it was Babyface or Hill, it didn't matter. Because yeah. most of the time it was Hill. Right, so, right. So that was a big deal. But uh, uh, it, it turned into a deal to where it just, you know, it, I, I, I would go down to the ring for the first time and get a pop. Yeah. You know, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when I got the, when I got the uh, Cauliflower Alley Award, mm-hmm. uh, John Layfield, my good friend, JBL, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he came in and was my presenter. And, and then he made that point, you know, which I'd never really thought about until he said that. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, he, he's not a referee. He's, he's just like, just, he pointed some of the WWF guys that were standing there. He said, he's just like you and you and you. He's, yeah. he's a, you know, and I was like, well, that's cool to think of it that way, right? But but that's how I how I approached the role because it was it was I was part of that development of a match, and and I think the fans appreciated that. They could, even they didn't understand it, right? They could sense it. Yes. You know? Well, that's one of the amazing things to me sometimes about seeing like a, you know a referee like yourself and and seeing matches. I mean, I've, I've literally seen matches with you where this happens. Where you know there'll be that rule breaker and 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 you know the heels just just you know whether he's got a fork or you know he's doing something dastardly and the fans are all over him and you're not noticing and and then when you do and when you do pull him off you get a bigger pop sometimes than, than the finish you know because the fans are just like going crazy for hey, hey he noticed it you part know? of the story yeah you know it's part of, it's part of giving them that it's just like a, like a babyface selling. If he sells right, yeah, and 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 he comes back at the right time, right, then there's your big pop, right. If I if I sell what they're doing at the the right way, yeah, and then when I finally catch them doing it, yeah, it's like the big comeback, absolutely. It's just on a different level. It's a part of that 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 uh, uh, level of, of building the match, you know, and and and. And if you do it right, you can get that in just about every match. Right. And sometimes I have to be more obvious with that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to be, you know, almost just kind of part of the background. Yeah. But every match you can you can enhance your facial expressions, body language. Uh, so many things a referee can do to make matches better, and and I don't see that a lot. Do you feel like because one of the things that I noticed right away on Friday night at the IPW show here? Having seen you and talked to you before, and, and you know, you're just kind and you're fairly unassuming, and I mean, seriously, and, and, and just a really wonderful person to talk to. When you get in the ring, when you walk to the ring, it's, there's a different dynamic to the James Beard who's the referee walking to the ring and getting in the ring yeah. than the James Beard who's you know sitting down having a conversation with somebody. Definitely. Talk a little bit about that if you well, can. Well, it's and again, it goes back to to being one of the guys. Mm. Uh, if, 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 if you sit down and talk to um, my friend JBL. Yeah. <laughs> you say it again. <laughs> nicest, nicest guy in the world. Yeah. You know, uh, um, kind of low key for the most, unless we're getting, you know, we're having a good time, you know, <laughs> telling stories and that kind of thing. But, but for the most part, you know, and as you like a lot of guys in the business that, that, that achieve that level yeah. of success. If you talk to them one on one, or you see them, you know they're they're one guy. Some of them are very nice. Some of them are necessarily, but but they're different people. Yeah. When when you walk through that curtain, there's a presence that that you have to display. Absolutely. And and I, I learned like maybe playing music helped that because I was always the front guy. Sure. So I was comfortable with that. But I think there I think when you walk through that curtain, you you, you kind of convey that that presence mm-hmm. you know and and my my 
I guess I'm lucky. I don't know if it's, it's, it's something I was cognizant of early on or just, just came natural or whatever, but I, I knew that when I walked through there, I had to I had to let the people know that this is my friggin' ring. Yeah. And I'm in tra- I'm in charge. And that's sure. the that's the presence I wanted to convey. And I think it kind of worked. Well, you know it, it, it just it, it it's it's just it's just kinda like turning it on. Yeah. You know? It, yeah, it's very akin, and it's funny because I can imagine people who are theater professionals will hate that I'm going to say this, and I can imagine there are people in wrestling that will hate that I'm going to say this, and then there are people that will get it, but it's a lot like theater. It you is. know, it's, yeah. you walk on stage and you're, you know, you're truthfully portraying that yeah. character, yeah. you know, and it's the same thing, you know, that's, that's the theater of wrestling, like when you walk through that curtain, yeah. you, you are no longer James Beard, you're no. James Beard the referee, exactly. you know, yeah. and, 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 and JBL, he's no longer John Layfield, he's JBL, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and you're that character. Yeah, and I yeah. think I think that that is definitely one of the things that I notice for a lot of referees, especially, you know, again, I don't want to be too critical. I don't do it. You know, it's not my place, maybe. But you'd certainly see that on the independent level, you know, and even and even on the professional. Yeah, I mean, not not that independent's not professional, but even on the, the bigger stages, you certainly see more often than not that. It's it's almost like the referees haven't found who that character is yet. Well, and and, and it's not always their fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think things have developed to a point to where the, if you if the rules aren't as as consistent and 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 don't mean as much as they used to. Sure. And and it's sad because wrestling is supposed to be a competition. Right. It's a pseudo competition. And if you don't have rules in a competition, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Right. And 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 I was lucky that that where I go and where I've been, the rules meant something. Absolutely. And so I meant something. And 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 if I mean something, then I can be that character. Yeah. If I don't mean anything, all I am is just somebody standing around waiting to make a three count. Right. And that's where a lot of referees are these days. It's not their fault so much. Yeah. It's 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 fault of the business that's gotten to a point to where. It, one one match the rules mean something the next match they don't mean anything or they mean something else and, and the fans are confused because if the, the, the way you get heat the way a heel gets heat is getting around those rules getting around that referee yeah. and, and, and I would you know the guys used to, they would tease me a little bit sometimes you know you know you make me work for my heat and I think well no kidding <laughs> I actually make you have to work for your heat. Right. I really feel bad for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that's what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. You know, they're supposed to have to work for their heat. But yeah. They're supposed to have to pay attention to me so they can get around what what I'm not seeing. Yeah, you're and setting I, the boundaries and for I'm them to cross. And I'm going to give them every opportunity to do that if they'll pay attention. Mm. So we've all got to work together in that, you yeah. know. And, and these days, it's, it's without rules and without that, that the, the fan base understanding that this is illegal, He's not supposed to be doing that, you know, and he's doing it anyway, and he's getting away, away with it because the referee can't catch him doing it. Right. You can't play that mouse and cat game yeah. without that. And, and these days you don't have that because there are no rules. The rules don't mean anything. Yeah. And it's sad to me because I see these guys in the ring, and, of course, a lot of the independents now, the referees are just guys that they threw in there. Not, yeah. You know, they're not truly professionals. And I, I, I'm not knocking anybody, but it's just a fact. Right. And, and even on the higher levels, for the most part, they don't give the referee the respect they need to give them. Yeah. Uh, I see them bury them all the time on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, sad. I, t- I tell a lot of guys when I do clinics and things that, that, you know, you'll have 20, 30, 40 guys there. Yeah. And you look out there and, and you see 
three or four of them that physically have that um, potential that you think, you know? Yeah. And you can kind of tell, you know, just by sure. looking. <laughs> and, and, and then you see the majority of them that, you know, you know, if, if you're going to ever get in the ring and do anything, it's going to take a lot of work. You, yeah. you need a lot of luck and that kind of thing. You just don't do not much of a chance. But I tell them, you know, learn this, try, train, learn everything you can learn, and, and, and figure out where your role is. Yeah. Because sometimes you, you may not be meant to be a wrestler. You may not be meant to be a referee. Right. But there may be another role in wrestling that you can, you can feel right. and, and, and be good at. You know, and, and all this knowledge and training will help you there. I, 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 I told myself early on, and, and, and I tell people all the time that I learned more listening than I ever did in the ring. That's true. Yeah. Uh, much more. Because I, you know, I get, had the opportunity to be around a lot of guys that, that knew what they were doing and, and, and gave me a lot of good advice. And I can, just by listening to their stories, I could figure out things that you should do and shouldn't do. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'd walk into the sportatorium and there'd be Johnny Valentine and Red Bastine mm. and, 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 of course, Skandar Akbar, my old friend that, that I rode thousands and thousands of miles with. And, you know, those kinds of guys that, that I would get there early and we'd sit around and I'd just listen to them talk. Yeah. And I'd, I'd start hearing things and absorbing all of that and, and learning. So I learned more listening than I ever did standing in that ring or working in the ring. Mm. And then I learned that I kind of can put that in, into, into action, you right. know, those things. And, and, I, and I tell guys, learn everything you can about the business, about wrestling. You know, learn the hoes, learn the moves, learn the psychology. And whatever role you end up in, if you find a, find a, a place in the business, then you're going to be you're going to be prepared for it. You're going right. you're going to be good at it because mm-hmm. you have all that knowledge. Yeah, and and that's how I approach the referee role. You know, I, I I wanted to know everything, and and understand. You know, with and and that helped me anticipate certain things. Yeah, you know, and 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 it also helped me help guys get out of trouble. You know, that was another one of the parts, and 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 that that I was always proud of that. When I got to this certain level, that that I could get in the ring, and, and it didn't matter if it was a guy that was experienced or a green guy or whatever. If they get they get to a point in the ring when something didn't go right, or or, or you feel something, and you you can go like, "Hey, we'll try this," mm. or "Do this," or and then a lot of times I'd call an old match, green guys, you know, and 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 uh, it, it was that was a that was a talent that that I developed by listening. Yeah, you know, and 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 it got me to a point to where the guys trusted me in the ring because they knew if something happened, I'd find a way to get out of it, or I could I could see it from the, my point of view. I was watching the match; I could see how it was developing, mm-hmm. and 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 this would fit. You know, I said, "Try this," you know, yeah. and then a lot, a lot of times it wasn't like I was trying to call. If it was an experienced guy, it wasn't like I was trying to call his match for him. Sure, but a lot of times I would go, "Yeah, that that," you know, and. and it worked. Yeah. You know, so that was another level that that put me kind of in a different place. And and that helped me with, with the, the trust and the reputation amongst the boys. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that you know, those things get out. Right. You know, they 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 they'll, they're just like the other night in, in the in the match with uh, Wes Briscoe and, and Attila, mm-hmm. there were a couple of spots in there, you know, and Wes, Wes I didn't even think about it until that, the, the next night he said, man, 
you really help make, make that match because da 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 da, you yeah. know, and 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 that's my that's my job, right? You know, that's part of part of what I do. Well, that's one of the things that I I was actually going to bring up that match too because there was again the presence to the ring, and then you're in the ring, and there's that presence, and then that first time that they were up against the ropes, and Khan wouldn't let him go, mm-hmm. and you went in there to break it up. It was just. And again, I don't want to be critical of anyone else that was working that night, but but it was so different. There was just this, this gravity to it, this you know, this purpose to it. Like it's just like you cannot do that. I'm not going to let you do that. Right. And it and it it did. It enhanced the match. Yeah. Like right away, I sat up more. You, yeah. you know, like it was it was it was telling a story and, 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 that we and, hadn't seen and, yet. And really. At the same time, I didn't stop him from doing anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the whole thing. You know, I tell I tell guys all the time. You know, and, and it, a lot of guys don't notice this. But, you know, like has a guy on the ropes and he's doing whatever he's doing to him, you know, choking him or whatever. You know, I don't just start counting. Right. You know, I'll go in and I'll start talking to them or trying to pull them apart, you know, that kind of thing. I'm letting them get their heat. Right. You know, I'm letting them have that time. Yeah. And then I'll start doing it. Well, because that is even more of an ass because not only is he beating up our hero, but he's ignoring the referee. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, he's yeah. an asshole. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's exactly what he wants to be. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's me helping them get over. And, and I tell guys all the time, if you'll work with me, and allow me to do that with you, then I'm going to help you get your heat. Right. You know, I'm not going to get in your way. I might make you have to go around me. You know, that, I remember a long time ago. You know, the, a lot of the a lot of the guys would do that old gimmick where they pull hair. You know, back in the day, mm-hmm. and you point to the back and make the referee walk around and look. Yeah. Well, you know, I did that a couple of times, and I got said that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so I would tell guys, I'm not, I'm not going to buy that. Yeah, I'm not going to buy it. If you, if you will just give me a second, and I know what you want to do. If you give me a minute, I'll work my way around in a position where you can do that. And then they're mad at you. Mm-hmm. They're not mad. They're not mad at that stupid referee. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point though. How do you, how do you kind of make sure that the fans aren't mad at you for missing something? And that's it. But that they're mad at the heel. And that's what you, you know? have to do. Yeah. yeah, you have to make sure, and and, and all that takes cooperation with everybody, mm-hmm. and, and the heel especially. Uh, if if he knows how to work with a referee and he understands, and if the referee is competent and understands how to do that, yeah. then you're you're going to put him in a position where he can do those things. And, and it's just like the hair pull thing. If, right. if, if they, you know, if, if he, I'm, I'm, I walk around and look, you know, people know I'm looking. <laughs> so they're, they're like, oh, he's checking. Yeah. That's in their mind. That's what they're saying. He's checking. And I'll go around to the front and then he does it. Mm. He's an asshole. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I did my job. Right. You know, right. And so the, they're mad at him. They're not mad at me. Yeah. Because I was an idiot by <laughs> going around there when he pointed. When I, I should know that that's what he's doing. Right. You know, so it's common sense sometimes. Yeah. And and and, and it takes both. And that's that's one thing that's missing too is a lot of the a lot of the heels don't understand how to make a referee their partner mm-hmm. and work with him. And and a lot of referees don't understand how to give them that opportunity. So if you don't have those two things working together. You can't get that. Right. You can't get that natural that natural heat. Yeah. And that's that's where it comes from. It's not, it's not about calling your mama something or your hometown something. It's about doing something that you shouldn't be doing and getting away with it. Yeah. And and and, and understanding that you're the, the one that's getting away with it, not not an idiot referee that can't see anything. So you know, here's something that just popped in my head. The well, a few things did, but I'll go to this one first. The, 
the, the main event at the IPW show, for example, um, the heel was scratching, you know, Sparrow yeah. was scratching yeah. James Jeffrey's back. Yeah. And then, you know, the boundary is you can't do that, you can't do that. But then, of course, James yeah. Jeffries, it turns yeah. around, does it yeah. to him. Yeah. Can you, I mean, I, I, I know that you can't really get into it too much because it's just a feel. But what is it that makes us hate it when the heel does it and then love it when the baby face does it? Well, because he's getting retribution. Yeah. He's getting to get it back. And, and, and I play into that, too, mm-hmm. because I'll get on the heel for doing it. <laughs> and he keeps doing it. And sometimes right in front of me, yeah. you know, and I keep getting on him and then the baby face does it and I'm going like, okay, good. Got it back. <laughs> and the fans see that too. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a, 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 Jerry Lawler such a freaking genius sometimes. He's he, <laughs> a great worker and he get away. He can do so much with nothing. Yeah. But he had this idea one time. He said, okay, look, we're going to do this. And he's done it before, but he said, this finish, the heel is going to keep putting his feet on the ropes. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you'll catch him. Yeah. You know, he keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it. And then when I finally get the pin, you know, I, you start counting, you look up and you see me with my foot on the ropes, and you just go, crap, and you just go in and make the count. <laughs> you know, yeah. so the baby face gets over, people don't care. Right. You know, right. They're, they're happy. You know, they know that I know it, and they know that I was frustrated. Yeah. So they can, they, they understand the logic in me allowing that to happen. Yeah. You know, because they're already pissed off too. <laughs> you know, so, so they get, they're, they like me because I let that happen. Right. You know, and then, and, and, and uh, the, the hill got his heat. Right. You know, and, and I, I, there's like an old story I've, I've told a million times with Killer Tim Brooks mm. early on when I, I, I working with Killer before I'd worked with him a lot. He became a great dear friend. But, yeah. You know, he was one of those guys that's scary in the ring. Yeah. You know, kind of like Bruiser and some of those others. Just, you never knew. You know, you kind of like, I don't know if he's serious or not. You know? <laughs> and and he had a guy on the ropes. He was choking him, you know, the young guy. And I kept trying to get him to break. He wouldn't break. He said, pull me back by my ears. And I'm like, now you're doing that. <laughs> you're going to turn around and, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no way I'm doing this. You know, do it. So, so I did it. Yeah. I pulled him, you know, because I'm working it. Pulled him back. He swung around. He started coming at me, and when he did, I just pointed at my referee shirt. Mm. He stopped and backed off. Yeah. And and after the match was over with, we get we're in the back talking, and he said he said, look, he said, yeah, I said I, I didn't know if you were serious, and I said, yeah, I was serious. He said because <laughs> two things happened. Number one, that showed how out of control I am, that you had to do something like that to get me off this guy. Yeah. And two. It put you over because you're the referee and you're the official, and I had to respect that. Right. So it told me a lot about the mentality of some of these guys that got it. Yeah. That understood that they can use me to to get their heat and and also get me over at the same time. And those are the kinds of things that helped enhance whatever reputation I had. Mm-hmm. You know, because I could do those kinds of things, and the fans would appreciate it. Yeah. And, and I didn't let guys get away with stuff that was cheap. It's well, it's incredible too because even on a larger level, it, it, it creates this sense amongst the fans that anybody who wears that shirt is important. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, which is which is really cool because, like you said, we don't necessarily see a lot of that these right, days. Right. So the fact that something that could be considered so small, yeah, can be so important. Absolutely. And and, and teach those fans for not just that night, but next weekend and the weekend after that, that it's like oh. 
oh, even even Killer Tim Brooks stopped. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, Absolutely. the wild man stopped yeah. because he yeah. saw that shirt. Yeah, there's this crazy wild guy that nobody can control, yet he understood that, that he had to respect the, that, the yeah. referee role. Do you think do you think things like uh, like fines for putting your hands on the referee and stuff like that? You know, do you think that that works for the psychology? It, it does. It does for rules on you something. Sure. It, 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 uh, I had a had a wonderful experience working in in Germany. You know, okay. they were doing European rules. Okay. You know, oh, yeah. You know, which is rounds and that kind of thing. And they also have this other thing there where if if a guy does something that's, that breaks the rules, you could hold up this card. Oh, like okay. a red card or whatever. Yeah, like it was. in soccer or something. Yeah, 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 and 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 that meant a fine. Mm. Well, what the gimmick was is, is is the guys caught onto this, you know, where you know you you, you do something like that, didn't hold up that card, and there there's a fine. Well, a fan would half the time come down and pay the fine for the baby face. Oh if my god! If a baby face that got in trouble, <laughs> well, it was just split the money. Oh my gosh! So I, I caught on to that pretty fast. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it, was, it was incredible. But, but yeah, it, but that's part of that believability thing. Yeah. You know, if, if, if there's, a, if there, if there's a, 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 something you have to pay for if you do something wrong, it's just like, just like law today, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there's, a, there's a consequence for doing something wrong, yeah. then it's going to... Number one, maybe keep people from doing something wrong. Right. And number two, it shows them that if you do, you're going to have to pay for it. Right. And and if you've got rules in wrestling, and you have those things in place, then yeah, that's part of the story. That's part of the bill. Yeah. And 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 that's part of what's missing today is that none of that means anything. And it's sad because it it, it, it it takes away that competitive level of wrestling it, it turns wrestling into just a, a, a an event just a show yeah and 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 it's not supposed to be that wrestling is supposed to emit commotion, emotion it's right. supposed to create emotion you're, you're supposed to care about what happens and there's supposed to be a reason why you care what happens yeah and when that, that's not there then all you've got is an exhibition and, and, and what I see a lot of times on TV now and a lot of independence is just an exhibition. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And it's sad to me because why I became so passionate about wrestling and why most people I know in the business and out became so passionate about this business is because it made them care. Yeah. And, and they... And, and they it, it, didn't matter whether it was this guy or that guy or whatever, but they cared about it. Right. And 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 that to me is missing and is sad. Absolutely, it's it's that difference between you know we get so wrapped up sometimes both as fans and non-fans and words like real and fake. Yeah. And those words don't really matter. No. What matters is exactly what you said. What can I invest in this? You know, yeah. What, what do I care about? Yeah. And I tell people all the time if I know pretty much everything you can know about how things work in wrestling. Sure. I mean, I've experienced it. I've been there. I've not done it. Yet, if I see a match that makes me get into it and, and, and really doesn't allow me to see through it, yeah, you know, and, and, and the guys are really doing what they're supposed to do to build that that emotional connection, right. I, can, I can forget all that. Yeah. Knowing everything I know, I can forget all that. Sure. 
you know, and, and people say, well, the cat's out of the bag. It doesn't matter. The cat's been out of the bag forever. Right. If you go back and look at, at old newspaper clippings, you know, about, about the business. Yeah. There were all kinds of things that exposed things back then. Right. I mean, yeah, you go back as far as, like, even the 20s. Or yeah. Even probably I mean, before that. But like, yeah, you'd have to have your head in the sand not to know all that. <laughs> and, 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 and even those old fans at the Sportatorium that came every week and sat in the same chairs every week and, and yelled at the, at, the, at the heels and threw things at the heels and hate them, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. They knew. Yeah. On some level, they knew, but they didn't care. Right. Because we didn't stooge it off. We did. We took ourselves seriously. Yes. And we didn't allow them to not care. Right. We we always made them want. When we when we walked into that ring, they believed that we were who they saw. Yeah. You know, and and you know we we didn't stooge it off when we walked out of the ring and walked out of the arena. Yeah. And and. Uh, and they kept coming back because of that. And it wasn't because they were stupid. Yeah. But because they didn't understand that there was a work factor in wrestling or manipulation factor in wrestling or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But to them it was real because we were real and because we treated it as being real. And when you when you lose that, then then it changes the whole dynamic of the business. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, that we have to be idiots and, and, and you know, kayfabe, 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 whatever. Sure. Kayfabe has been dead forever. Right. You know, it was dead when I was starting in the business. It's, sure. I mean, like you, know, you said, even if you figured out, I was watching it as a fan, you know. Absolutely. When I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I, on some level, I understood what was going on. Yeah. And, and. And, and I didn't care because I believed in those guys. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and such, I, I just, yeah, God, I got to, got to be friends with so many of those guys, you know, yeah. and learn, learn those secrets and, you know, and everything. <laughs> but I also learned that, 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 that they took it so seriously that that's, that's why I cared about them. Right. You know, it, 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 it's, it, there's no reason why I can't be that way now. Yeah. It really isn't. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not that way because the people in charge sometimes don't allow it to be. Yeah. They, they, they allow that, that peek through the, you know, wink at the fans a little bit kind of thing. And, and to me, that, that takes away from the whole experience of, of watching wrestling. That's why I can't watch it much. Yeah. Because I, I, I can't believe in it. You know, see something I can believe in, I can watch you know, and get, get into it. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of good things happening, you know, now on TV. Right. And, and I can watch that and I'm going, that's cool. Yeah. You know, because they're, they're taking it seriously, you know. Are there, are, there, are there certain people that stand out to you that, when, that, that you might go out of your way to watch a match of theirs or to see somebody's work? Or that, is there, are there, you know? uh, I don't know. that. I mean, there's some guys that have been around a while now that, that I, that, you know, Randy Orton and guys like that that are believable. Yeah. You know, that I, I love watching. You know, and it's like this, this angle in, in, in WWE now, the, 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 uh, the bloodline, bloodline. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of aspects of that that, 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 that are real to me. For sure. You know, and, and it also built, you know, like a, a lower, lower level guy like Sammy, mm-hmm. you know, built him into a star. Yeah. You know, and he was, he was alone for the ride, but he made it made it work. Absolutely. You know, and, and of course, I, I know a lot of that family and I know how serious they are about the business. Yeah. And, and that, you know, the... the like Rome's the uh, yeah, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've worked with a lot. I know them all, you know. And, yeah. And, and and I know how they how they're raised and, and how they take it seriously, and, and it, it shows. Yeah. In all of that, 
and and when you see that, I can I can enjoy it. Sure. You know, but but then I then I, on the next match I'll see some, something that just makes me go, oh crap, takes you out, just yeah. ruined the whole night for me. You know. Sure. Yeah. But but yeah, there's things I enjoy, and some guys I enjoy. You know, you can't deny guys like like AJ Styles. Yeah. What an incredible oh. incredible worker. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then he became even better after he learned how to. Dial it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's such a super guy on top of all that. Yeah. You know, Brian Danielson, guys like that. Yeah. I mean, I can watch them all day long. Yeah. You know, because, and, and then if you think about it, those are the guys that take what they do seriously. Right. AJ is still to this day one of those guys that when he sells, I'm like, is he hurt? Like, I, like I'm just, I'm worried about him, you know? And, well, yeah. and it's just like, oh, God. You know, even, and, and that's the thing, right? It, it, like you say, you can, you can know all these things, you know? You can have talked to people like yourself yeah. and learn these things, and you still, when, when people are committed, when people are, are really, show, you know, really putting on, yeah. you know, that, that show, you buy into it every time. And, and the good thing about it is, is, is you, you know, you see a lot of the guys from my, my generation and before. That, that lasted in the business for 30 years. Yeah. You know, but that, that's because they understood that concept. Right. Instead of killing yourself out there and taking a risk that you shouldn't be having to take. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, look at Ricky Morton. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's my age. Right. And he can still work with anybody in the world. Yep. And, and get over because he knew how to sell. Yeah. And he knew the timing, pacing. Those are the most important things in wrestling, and, and, and guys don't learn those things. Yeah. The, the, the timing and the pacing, how much of that has to do with listening to the audience? Are there times when oh, you might want to speed up or you might want to pull back? It has a lot to do with it. You, know, yeah. you talk about, feed, about uh, reading the audience, mm-hmm. reading the fans, and a lot of that is that. Yeah. You know, learning, you know, instead of having a match that, that you've got to do this, 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 and this, like a dance. Yeah. You know, you do this and see how that reaction, and you, if that gets a certain reaction, you play off of that. Sure. You continue that until until you know it. Now, I tell people, you know, you don't give fans what they want. You make fans want what you give them. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. It's a big difference. Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of guys go into it thinking, I'm going to give the fans all they want. And what they're really doing is they're giving the boys in the back what they want. <laughs> They're 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 wrestling for the wrong people. Yeah, they're they're creating the wrong uh, uh, target market. The target market should be fans that you want to come back and watch you next week. Yeah, or next month, whatever it is, because you want them to, you want them to care about what's happening to you, and and and, and invest in that. Yeah, and and instead of that, I, I, what I see is guys just trying to impress a certain fan base or a certain. Mm-hmm. level of fan that, that, that's really not going to help you in the long run. Right. Are, are, you, uh, are you familiar with the Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega match that happened uh, a couple weeks ago at uh, I didn't, Door? I didn't see it. I've seen Will work some. But yeah. yeah. There, was, there, was, there was a spot that they did uh, with a move <laughs> that had happened in all Japan about 35 years ago or so yeah. where uh, Misawa kind of just dropped Kawada like right on his head. Yeah, and I, they, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. And, and they did that move. Yeah. And a lot of people were kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know, why are you yeah. doing that? And I think for me, because of the story they were telling and because Kenny got up and walked away yeah. you know, after the match, I was able to be like, okay, like I, I, I'm okay with it. The problem is, is then like a week later, Will did it again in a match that was kind of... Meaningless? Yeah. And I was like, 
I believe you're trying to kill Kenny Omega because you guys have got this feud to see who's the best wrestler in the world right yeah. now. Yeah. But now you go over to this match in the UK in front of 200 people and you do it and it's just sort of like, yeah, wait. Kill, kill the whole thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. 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 The, the, the Japanese have always been very traditional. Yeah. You know, and, and, and tradition means, and history means a lot to them. It always did. When I was working over there, it was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and, but then you're right. When you, if you're going to, if you're going to go back and revisit something like that, then you have to make it really special. Yeah. And you have to make it once. Right. And 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 make it in a, at a, a spot to where it really means a lot. Yeah. And when you when you when you don't do that, if you if you like you said, if you go back and do it again a week later or whatever. Yeah. It, it, it takes everything away from what what you were trying to accomplish. Yeah. And and that's that's part of that thing where you're you're you know you're just like oh, I got to pop on that, so I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. Right. You know, that's not necessarily how that's going to work because it, that pop came because it was at the right time in the right, right. space. With the right person. And, and, and the, the right person, yeah. all, the, all those things. And, and if you just go out and do it again, you know, they've already seen it. Right. So, so you know, it's not like it's a big deal anymore. And that, that's what a lot of matches are like now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like... Uh, you see the first match and it's bop 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 bop, mm-hmm. and the next match is bop 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 bop. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's basically the same moves, just move after move after move. Right. The, the, the psychology is basically how how many finishes can we kick out of? Sure. <laughs> you know, and and that's all it is. That's the whole story. Yeah. And and to me, that just it takes away from everything because, you know, the, the older guys like us, we always had this thing where. You don't want to do the same thing in your match that somebody else did. Right. Yeah. You don't want to. You certainly don't want to do the same finish. Mm-hmm. You know. You don't necessarily want to work even work on the same body part if you're working a hole. Which yeah. God bless. I mean, wrestling a little bit. You know. You know. Absolutely. That, that, I tell guys all the time. I said, you know, we do call this wrestling. <laughs> so, so you know, there's nothing against the rules for you to work a hole. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean just put somebody in a hole, but work it. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 that's that's one of those timing and pacing things that 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 teaches you that because if you get somebody in a jeopardized situation, mm-hmm. you know, and you're and you're working it, why don't why don't you just go right to something else? Why don't you take advantage of that? Right. You know, why don't you make it dramatic? Yeah. When you finally escapes that or gets away from that or something happens different. Yeah. You know, but instead they just use it to. Say I, I used a wrestling hole. Right, <laughs> right. It's, it's not part of part of the developing of the match. You know, it, it, psychology is so easy in in the long run. Yeah, you know, it's so easy. I mean, you take an arm, take a leg, take a neck, take a back, whatever you want to do, and you can tell that story all the way through a match and, and make your make your finish fit mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody mm-hmm. out there can understand what you were trying to accomplish. Yeah. Whereas if you just do move, 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 and you have a finish that comes out of nowhere, they don't really understand it. Now, you may get a pop, sure, but they're not going to remember it. It's not going to be a big deal. Right. You know, the match is going to be meaningless in the end. Yeah. Because you know, it doesn't accomplish anything that leads to anything next. Do you think, do you think sometimes that... <clears throat> we get almost too caught up in the storytelling that happens outside of the ring so that when those matches do happen, it is just kind of like, let's get our stuff in and well, go home. Uh, the, you know? the, the sad part about it is, is, is sometimes the stories outside the ring are better than what happened in the ring. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, you look at AEW, the, the most attention they got in the last couple of years was something that happened in the dressing room. Right. You know why? Because it was real. Yeah. It was real. People believed it. Yeah. 
Yeah. They can make some money off of yeah, it now if they that, want to. If, 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 smart, if the guys were smart enough to take advantage, and, and the egos were in a situation right. where you could take advantage of that, you absolutely can make a ton of money off of yeah. it. Yeah. But that's, that's, why, that's why I got so much attention to begin with, is because everybody knew it was real. They right. believed it. Yeah. If you make everything in the ring that way, then imagine how it would be. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's, what, that's my point. Right. You know, if, if you can take that realism and that, that seriousness and, and the, this is, I really don't like you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whether you do or not, and put that in the ring, people will buy into it. You know, Jerry Jarrett always said personal issues sell. Mm. Look, and, and there's a reason for that because every one of us, every human being understands personal issues. Yeah. We all have them. I mean, they may not be as dramatic, sure, you know, or as extreme as you get sometimes. But that's what you do in wrestling: is you take real things and you exaggerate them. Yeah. And and uh, it, but but everybody can relate to it. Yeah. You know, I don't like you. Yeah. Because you dated my ex-wife <laughs> or whatever. Right. It could be anything. Yeah. You know, but those things work because they're, they're real life. They're real emotions that people can relate to and they can understand them. Yeah. You know, and 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 they'll get on one side, I better the other. Right. You know, and and it's just, I love it. I love those gray areas that you get sometimes where, you know, this guy is definitely a heel, but he's kind of right. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, you kind of agree with him. Right. You know, but it's real life. Yeah. You know, there's so many angles and, and degrees of things you can do in wrestling that can that can create those emotions. Mm-hmm. And I don't see them happening, and that's sad. It, yeah. Well, you know, when you mentioned the bloodline stuff earlier, and I think one of the reasons why people have been so attracted to it is because it does feel real. Sure. And because, the you know, those those kind of family squabbles. Absolutely. Everybody's had that. Everybody's, everybody's had that cousin you, that they're just you like, either, oh, you yeah, either okay. had them or you've seen them or been right. in the middle of them or whatever, where, where you, you know, why are they arguing? Right. You know, why, they're, they're both, you know, they're both wrong. <laughs> you know, but yeah. but I understand. Yeah, you know, or, or maybe when I'm really wrong, maybe when I'm just an just an ass. Right, you know, <laughs> right. That, 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 that happens. And now know? I want to see them get their comeuppance. Yeah, it could know? be any any degree of that. Yeah, and that that's what I mean. Is it's it's sad that the, that that the the people in charge don't always take that and, and create it in the ring and make it make that work because if you do that. Then you create fan bases that stay with you forever. You don't have this one yeah, fan base yeah. that just, you know, it'll go away after three or four years. Yeah. Or, or it's that same group. Of, if you watch the ratings, you, they might get a little bump here for one thing or the other. Sure. They go down and go up, but they're all about right here. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. You, you, you're just a long way from seeing those, those incredible ratings and, and, and attention that, that, that you used to get yeah. when fans gave a shit. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, one of, the, one of the greatest stories of all time is Austin versus McMahon, and that's a story that everybody can relate to about yeah, what he wants to go to hell. guys couldn't you know? wrestle a lick, right. and, and the other guy could, but he didn't. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, I, I used to tease Steve. I said, man, you were one of the best technical guys that came out of Dallas. Yeah. You know, and then he was the darling of the marks, mm-hmm. you know, because he was so good technically and so good psych- psychologically and all that kind of thing, and yet he became this huge 
megastar, biggest ever in the business, really. Right. Because he do horrible punches and horrible kicks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I told him that you can't punch for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but he made millions of dollars doing that because people believed in that. Yeah. You know? And, 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 and that, that was more important than the technical stuff. Right. And, and, that, and that, I see that all the time, too. There's a lot of guys that's come to the business that, that made a ton of money and, and got over because they understood their role and they understood what sold and they understood how to develop that. You yeah. know, I mean, guys like Kamala. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he wasn't a wrestler. Right. But, my God, he was a, when, he, when they brought him up and took, made him serious. Yeah. You know, when, early on, I don't you remember when he came out first. Yeah. You know, Jerry brought him in Memphis and then we got, had him in Dallas. He was a scary guy. Absolutely, those videos. Sweetest. I mean, the videos made the, the, the videos that they showed made you think he was going to come out and eat people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweetest guy in the world, but man, mm. people believed he was this cannibal. Yeah, you know, and and that's that's because he took it seriously. Right. You know, and and it just it, it gets me really frustrated when I think about all this. But well, for to wrap things up here in just a moment, but do you think that because of the national expansion, because of what Vince did with the WWF, that for as much positive growth it created for wrestling and as many more eyes it brought on the product, Kamala's a perfect example of this. You had somebody who felt real, mm-hmm. who was scary. Yeah. And then he got to WWF and he was a cartoon. Right. So, you know, and it's kind of similar, even when we talked about Austin and McMahon, that was real. It felt real. Yep. And then shortly after that, it was like Vince wanted to kind of, you know, get it and do the whole, yeah. you know, blowing things up and dropping cars off buildings and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, that's great. But does there come a point where that starts to just erode it does. That, the reality? It absolutely does. Yeah. yeah because, because you got away from that real, real feel. I mean, nobody does those things. Right. Nobody pours a concrete in a brand new car. <laughs> you know, nobody does that. Yeah. You know, nobody can relate to that. Right. But they can relate to hating your boss. Right. They can re- they can relate to your boss being an asshole and you wanting to get around him or you're just going screw you. Right. You know, they can they can relate to that. Yeah. And that that's what I mean. That's a perfect example of that. Because yeah. you can take those things and then go to to a level that, that just throws that out the window. Yeah. And and, and that's sad. But yeah, and and, and it, I don't know that that had to do with the national. Maybe it did because he had so much power, he could do anything he wanted to. Yeah, and, and, you, and you know, you kind of like I'm going to do this no matter what, and you're going to have to accept it if you want to watch wrestling. Right. Uh, the, the the territories were a little different because every territory was a little different. Yeah. Every territory had a little different feel to it. Every territory had their own Hulk Hogan, or maybe yeah. not to that extreme, but they had a guy. That carried the, the territory for the most part. Sure, you know they had their own heroes, and then you had one world champion that went every you know, basically. Right. I mean, yeah, you had more, but they would, basically, if you talk about NWA, yeah, which was my thing. Yeah, you know, you, you had one guy that went to here to here to here to here, and he'd go into your territory and he'd make your your top guy look like a million dollars, like he should have won, and yeah. your asshole walked out without with the belt. Right, you know? right. You can't wait till he comes back around the next six months. Next time he's gonna get him. He's gonna get him next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes he did. Right. And that that was the payoff. Yeah. But but uh, to me that was a that was a much better system. And a much more palatable system because every area had their own unique thing. Yeah. You know, you go to you go to 
the Northwest and there was a style there. You go to Memphis, there was a style there. You go to Texas, there was a style there. And yeah. Florida, you know, and, and all those places had a little different feel. Right. And, 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 uh, and, and I think made, made wrestlers more rounded too because they would go from here to here to here and, yep. and, and you know, they could work with anybody doing anything. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I loved about Japan is, is it wasn't, uh, it's one of those things where you, you just throw this guy and this guy in there and you never knew what you were going to get, but you knew it was going to be good. Right. You know, and it was, it was, it was just like act, react, act, mm-hmm. react. Now, you know, they, sometimes they'd have a 30 minute finish you go, you go, your man, your mind's going, <laughs> and I, I just, who's going over? <laughs> I don't care. Right, right. I don't even want to know that. You know? But, <laughs> but, you know, and, and that helped me too a little bit. I got when I got to a point over there when I was doing, getting more involved in those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 the creativity started coming out. You yeah. know, I, I, I go, okay, I, I see these guys like this, so I'm going to figure out a way to give them that. You know, and. And, and it, it, it try your mind sometimes, but I loved it. I loved that. I'd come back over here and give some guys those kinds of deals, and they'd go like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you want us to do all that before the finish? No, oh, okay, forget it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I just, just rolled him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, I... I had the privilege of uh, interviewing Joe Malenko not too long ago. We talked a little bit about Japan too. Um, and I think you and I have talked a little bit about this before, but that communication that takes place in the ring, mm-hmm. um, when there's a language barrier, mm-hmm. what are the types of things that you can do to keep that communication going? Well, I mean, a lot of that's, like I said, is just act and react. Mm-hmm. If somebody does something, you know you got to do this. Uh, a lot of wrestling terms are in English. Okay. In fact, most of them are. Yeah. Um, that was, that was that, that's another story too about the, my my second trip to Japan um, that kept me over and started doing that. I'd go over and do a tour and then stay and work in the training center and then do another tour and then come home. Mm. So I'd be there six eight wow. weeks at a time. Yeah. I loved. I was great for yeah. me. But uh, one my, my second time over there, uh, the office came to me and said, "Okay." Right, the, the, put me in the training center and said, I want you to write down every wrestling term you can think of, even parts of the ring, everything. Yeah. I spent, I don't know how many days in there writing all this stuff. Oh, it was amazing how many things you can think of. Yeah. You know, how many moves, how many holes, how many, all this kind of stuff. And they put it all in like a book. Oh, my God. Now, Tim Storm said he wrote the book of wrestling, but I didn't. I was just, <laughs> I was just doing what they asked me to do, you know. Yeah. But... But they, they used that, you know, and, and, and it was, that's what got me into training, too, because they, they had a couple of guys that they were trying to work with at the level where they were re- getting them ready to get their debut and that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Okay. And they said, okay, well, come in the ring and help, you know, show him this, this, and this. And, and I, I learned that instead of just telling them, I could show them something. Mm. And, and then it, it got to where I was doing it with everybody. Mm. You know, Ahito was the main tra- head trainer. Okay. And so we were working together with these guys. And, and, and that got me into training guys, too. That was another level that I'd never even thought about doing. Yeah. You know, which was wonderful. Yeah. But, but to get back to the language thing is most of it, most of it is in, in, in English. Mm. Most of the terms are in English. So if you tell, and you, sometimes you may have to pantomime a little bit to get the message across. Sure. In, in, the, in the back, I mean, you know, okay. when you're talking about things. But, but if you, if you if, most of them would understand that. Yeah. You know, and then so that wasn't really an issue so much. Okay. You know, and, and you didn't call a whole lot. Okay. 
I mean, it was it was like you know, like I said, it's act and react. Yeah. You know, and if you didn't know how to do that, you weren't you weren't going to be working over there very long. Right. Right. You know, so, you know, if if you, if you had to, had the finished nail, which like I said, sometimes <laughs> it went on forever and ever and ever. But <laughs> but if you had that nail, then everything else was just you know just catch wrestling I mean it, wow. you know and, and, and I love that because yeah. you, that really puts you in that working situation where you're you're paying attention to what's happening and what's react what's hap- what's working and what's not and right. and there you are you yeah do, do you think that the because one of the things uh, about one of the matches uh, the other night um, the Bryce Jordan Ethan Everhart match mm-hmm. is that you know coming to the ring Bryce was a heel yeah and Ethan was a baby face yeah but Bryce did a couple of things along the way that let us know that he wasn't going to be—he wasn't going to be too much of a prick, you know. Yeah. He was going to be just a prick enough, and and to the point that when Ethan came off the top rope, I caught him with a splash, and got that near fall. I—I I mean, I popped, you know. Yeah. I was excited because. I didn't necessarily know if I wanted to see him lose, even though I knew he was the heel. There's all kinds of levels of. of Dislike or like <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's that way in life. Yeah. And then you get right back to that same thing that we talked about. It's that everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, there's guys that, that that you know pretty well or not maybe, you know, just kind of casually or whatever, and you kind of like them. Right. You know, and, and there's something about them that maybe – not right, you know. Yeah, yeah. you know, but but you still kind of like them. Yeah, you know, and 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 then there's guys that you just can't relate to at all. Yeah, and and it's just all kinds of levels of people, right? All kinds of levels of personalities, and all of that belongs in wrestling. Yes, and if you if everybody's the same, and that's another one of my pet peeves these days is a lot of the wrestlers seem to be the same. Yeah, you know they get they get a they get a gimmick, right? You know, and then they walk to the ring, and, and they all wrestle the same. Right, right. All, yeah, they all look the same. Yeah, and it, 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 it takes away it takes away that uh, that uniqueness. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it takes away those the opportunity to take advantage of those levels. Yeah, and. and it's sad, you know, because you, you got all that, right? You got life to work with, and you and you don't take advantage of. Yeah, there's so many variables. It's it's, it's almost last thing I'll, I'll throw out to you. It's almost the same with referees, though, too. Yeah, when the referees are all doing the same thing or all look the same. Yeah, yeah. and that's one thing that I do think the AEW does a pretty good job of. You know, you got your three main referees with Aubrey and Rick Knox and Bryce Rimsburg. They all do have you know distinct personalities. Yeah. Um, sometimes maybe I think they do a little too much. Sometimes yeah. it almost becomes about the ref getting their spot in, yeah. which is just kind of yeah. like, mm, okay. Yeah. But that said, at least they're distinct. Yeah. Um, truth be told, when it comes to WWE, I couldn't, I don't know if I could even name some of the referees. Well, and, and there was, well, I don't even know if they'd do that now or not, but there was a time when they wouldn't allow the announcers to even give them a name. Mm. They mm. speak their name, yeah. which I don't understand. Yeah. You know, uh, and it goes completely against everything that happened to me in Dallas. Yeah. Because it, that's, I was part of the crew, part right. of the boys, a part of the show, part of the, you know, and, 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 and I, it, it, I, not a, it wasn't an ego thing. It was just part of, part of being one of the stars, I guess. Yeah. You know, however you want to put it, you know, but, but uh, I, I think that, I think that's kind of, 
kind of sad too because you don't you don't give them that, that credit. Don't, the rules don't mean anything, so the referees don't mean anything. Yeah, that's one of the things I love. I I haven't watched it in a while to be honest with you. That's one of the things I loved about NXT when you know when Triple H really was just making it you know his thing yeah. and the presentation. Yeah. You know, even the way they did the lights, bringing the lights down on the audience, yeah. focusing yeah. on the ring. You know, telling yeah. you the referees' old, names, old school stuff. The, yeah. yeah. You know, I love I, I love yeah. that. Um, James, thank you so much. Oh, been a pleasure. Yeah, been a pleasure. Uh, we we always go long, so That's we gotta, okay. we'll have to do uh, this again, though. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> you bet. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I really really appreciate you it. Bet. That was our interview with James Beard at the TNT Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa, this past July. And I just wanted to reiterate, I, I, I love talking to James so much, and I did something that I don't always do. Um, I listened back to the entire interview just now as I was putting the recording together, and I just love so much of what James has to say. And and of course, there are some similar themes that you, you, know, you hear, especially guys of a certain generation, I think, do hit on similar themes when it comes to their uh, view of the business today. But there's something very unique and, and, and graceful about James's perspective. And I really appreciate it. And uh, I really uh, appreciate the fact that he's willing to go a little bit deeper. It's, it goes beyond just saying, you know, why he might not like something or why he wished that maybe they would do things a little differently, but he really gets into, to the nuts and bolts of it and starts to take it apart. And it's so illuminating. And I think it's so helpful, especially for fans, because it gives us the opportunity to, um, to hear from someone who has such a unique perspective on the business and with everything that's out there these days, with all the podcasts, with all the, the books, with all the interviews, with everything that takes place. I just really believe that James has a unique place amongst all these voices that we hear. And I'm so glad that he is willing to offer up his voice um, in in this setting. And so I loved having the conversation. And I do think uh, that we left some of the best bits on the cutting room floor, quite frankly. So I'm looking forward to catching up with James very soon and giving you uh, a little bit more. And I I think we'll dive a little bit deeper. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, specific uh, people and situations and and, and you know, delve into Dallas uh, a bit more um, as well, of course, uh, touching on the business today from his perspective um, as well. So really looking forward to to sitting down with him again. Um, I, I just I think he's great. And uh, speaking of great people, I want to thank Chad Olson for helping to set that up. Uh, Chad and, and I were kind of talking about you know, how we, we hadn't really talked to anybody and, uh, we didn't do the interview that we normally do at Galacticon. Um, and, and, and how we, you know, it was one of those things that was, that was maybe a little bit, you know, missed. Uh, and, and so we were just kind of standing there in the bar and, and, <laughs> and Chad's just like, wait a minute, James Pierce right away. You want to talk to James? I was like, I'll always talk to James. Um, so we set it up for the following morning and, and James showed up right on time, you know, didn't have to send any messages. In fact, I was the one that was a little late, much to my embarrassment, but James of course was super gracious about it. So thanks to Chad for helping to, to set that up. And, uh, I really, um, cannot express enough just how enjoyable of a weekend the Trago Synthes Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame weekend uh, always is. If, if you were unable to make it to Waterloo this year and, and you missed out on Galacticon and Waterloo, um, there's no reason, in, in my opinion, to miss out on the TNT Hall of Fame. Uh, it will be uh, indeed next July, uh, I believe July 18th through the 20th in 2024. Uh, so book it um, and, and join us. Um, I will definitely be 
there. I, I love getting back to Waterloo. I love, uh, you know, seeing some familiar places. Um, but m- most of all, I, I love the, the time spent hanging out and, and chatting with people and the conversations um, that I've gotten to, to have now with uh, uh, not only James Beard, but uh, Wes Briscoe, conversations with Barbara Goodish. Uh, she's such a such a doll. I just I, I adore her. And, um, and, and and so many of the other folks that are involved with the hall um, that, that, that work so hard and, um, you know, really put together a special event. So I certainly hope that uh, you're able to join us next year. Uh, and if not, never fear, uh, I will attempt to bring you as much as I possibly can from the, the convention, or excuse me, from the, uh, the Hall of Fame uh, with a bit of a wrap-up, uh, whether it's on roll-up or unofficial role, uh, or whatever permutation this may take in the future. Uh, that said, we will bring you episode 100 of Roll Up very soon. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting together with Mike and Todd and talking about uh, Galacticon weekend, uh, as well as just sort of taking stock of the past 100 episodes. Uh, we've, we've got you know, basically two years, um, you know, in the books now of, of, uh, roll up, which is, which is kind of staggering, uh, you know, thinking about the fact that I've done 100 episodes now of roll up. I've done, uh, almost 250 episodes, maybe more, uh, of, of fate's wide wheel, uh, did, uh, I can't tell you the exact number, how many, however many episodes of, of King, uh, King of Pro wrestling podcast. So it's, it's kind of crazy to me to think that I'm probably hitting somewhere near the 400 mark with uh, episodes of podcasts recorded, produced, and hosted. Um, you know, that's the other thing. I, I would say that 95%, maybe even more of the episodes that I have been a part of, I have produced those episodes as well, which is why the production quality is so shoddy. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's been such a thrill, and I love being able to have this creative outlet, whether I get to talk about wrestling, I get to talk about Phil Singer games, or I'm talking about Quantum Leap, or, or one of the other myriad uh, pieces of entertainment that I so love, and I really appreciate your ears. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and uh, checking out the interview with James Beard. Uh, again, I just want to spend a, a moment to give one more very heartfelt special thanks to James Beard for taking the time with us. Uh, I think James is great, and I really look forward to chatting with him again, um, even off mic, um, but we'll try and put as much of it on mic as possible because he doesn't seem to mind at all, and uh, he's got a hell of a lot to, to share. There is no doubt about that. You can also pick up his book, of course, which is called The Third Man. Um, you can find that in pretty much wherever books are sold. You, you might find it in stores, but more than likely online retailers are going to be your best bet. You can even go over to Mark James's website. I believe there's a link to it there as well. Um, I'll put some stuff in the show notes uh, for you with links uh, if, you, if you need a little help getting to those sites to pick up his book. Uh, and, of course, you can uh, do a quick Google of James Beard. Make sure you put in wrestling because if you don't, you'll get the chef. Um, and, uh, and and find out uh, more about what he's been up to, uh, including seminars um, and uh, special appearances, as well as a number of other podcast appearances and interviews that he has done um, you know, over the years and, and even very recently as well. Uh, and I know that he's been, I believe, on JBL 
and Gerald Briscoe's uh, podcast a couple of times too. So check those out. Uh, of course, it was awesome to meet uh, Jerry at, uh, uh, the TNT hall of fame. Uh, I felt like that that had been uh, a while in the making. I'd spoken to him on the phone a couple of times. I'd been texted with him a couple of times, but, uh, and interviewed him of course, once, uh, for one of our virtual cons, but to actually get to meet him in person, uh, was really cool since he was unable to be at TNT last year due to COVID. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm going to let you all go. Thank you again for your time. Thank you for your ears. Really appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Stay safe out there. And remember fans, if you're playing Phil Singer games, collectible card game, always, always roll responsibly. 